What's up, guys? Welcome back to the early read. It's our week one best bet. Going to be doing this every week. So this is how the schedule is going to be moving forward. Have our early week show either Monday or Tuesday with a guest workshop, some bets for the following week while recapping what happened the prior week. And then it will be just me on Thursdays or Fridays talking through the slate, talking about more bets that have come up and yeah, just kind of breaking down the slate. So this week, not as many bets. I'm a little pissed about it. Just these lines have been chewed up and spit out over the past two months or so. So there's just not as many bets to give out at this point, but a few have moved over the past few days. So I think we'll be able to hand out a few. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to hand out a few underdog bets, few live dogs, I think make an underdog round Robin just for fun. It's week one kind of bank on that uncertainty and that variance in college football but going forward hopefully there'll be plenty of more bets in this show and you know it's more of a late week jump in you want some bets there you go the prior week more guests kind of talking through our bets process what we're seeing early in the week and this will kind of update you with some more injury news and the like so let's talk here first about my partners from profit exchange because they are bringing to you profit boosts my friends at Profit Exchange have created a way to make guaranteed money every day. Seriously, head your favorite sportsbook boost with Profit Boost. Follow at Profit Boost on Twitter to be alerted there next time there's a free money opportunity. Join the growing community of bettors who are on pace to make an extra $4,000 this year using Profit Boost alone. Sign up for Profit Exchange today and get a no sweat first bet up to $100 when you sign up with the code Early Read. That's E A R L Y R E E D, Early Read. Available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Must be 21 and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so let's talk about a few of the games and a few of the big topics heading into week one. If you're listening to this, it is Thursday morning. Handful of games starting tonight while you're listening. Uh, the big one on the Thursday night slate is Utah, Florida. For those that have been listening to the show in the preseason have been paying attention to the news and obviously the line movement. Uh, Cam rising is not going to play uh, after Kyle Whittingham went back and forth with, he might play. He's going to be uh, hopefully working out and playing and practicing. And then he was listed as QB one on the depth chart, which sent the line that had trickled from Utah minus 10 to Utah minus four back up to Utah favored by a touchdown. Um, it, it's become clear per reports in the Salt Lake City area that he's not going to play. It's going to be Bryson Barnes. Um, Utah now sitting, as I'm recording, at four and a half, total of 44 against Florida. We spoke about this game on the early week episode with Smitty. My thoughts haven't really changed. We both agreed that we don't think Cam Rising is going to play. Didn't sound like he was going to be ready. I think Utah has Pac-12 aspirations. Um, to me, this is a stay away at these numbers. I don't really trust Florida playing this is a wild stat first road non-conference game since 1991. That's a wild one. Um, not sure how it's going to play out. I, I guess I lean towards the under cause I think Utah is going to try and grind this game to a halt, try and play some keep away. I don't really trust Graham Mertz doing much on offense to begin with. And Utah is a, st a sturdy D um, and it's particularly stout in the front seven where I think Florida's going to try and run the ball as well. So two teams running, I think the clock's going to be moving. And I, I think both teams are just going to try and win by a possession. Probably uh, you look at Utah, Bryson Barnes actually started last year against Washington state uh, 17 and 27, 175 yards, 
completed 63% of his passes, scooted for 51 yards on eight carries um, in a win on the road against Washington State. Cam Rising was like a late scratch from that game. So maybe Whittingham feels a little comfortable with Barnes here. Guys led them to a win in the past. For me, though, no touch. Um, I Florida early was the move because it didn't seem like Rising was going to play. Now he's not going to play now. I think you just kind of have to sit on your hands for this one and um, just let it play out. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the Pac-12 preview and in the uh, national championship picture, I, I'm eyeing, you know, kind of rooting for Utah to lose this one and maybe the market overreacts and treats them as like a down product, maybe even lose to Baylor as well. And um, maybe we get a break on the price for them to win the Pac-12 because that's how I'm eyeing playing Utah. Uh, another game that I think deserves – some mention Iowa, Utah State. The under took some money today. It's testing at 43, typical for an Iowa game. Uh, they're still favored by around 23 and a half points. Um, conflicting reports of Cade McNamara, the Michigan transfer, is going to play. Had a hamstring injury earlier in training camp. If I had to guess, I don't think he plays. I, it wouldn't make sense for him to play anyway, based on the fact that I was a 23 point favorite and they have Cyhawk on deck of course that's always a big game rivalry game against Iowa State on the road I think they want McNamara to be ready um so I think this number is going to keep dropping um I think McNamara doesn't play or if that's the case he just suits up and doesn't play but sits on the sidelines emergency quarterback style um to me under Utah State pass probably you know maybe if you want to trade this one because I do I don't think McNamara is going to play Maybe it's like take Utah State now, wait for the news to drop closer to game time, and then um, take Utah or take Iowa on the comeback at, by the dip at like 2021. 20, that's more speculative, but that's just kind of how I read the situation and kind of how I see Iowa playing this long term. And yeah, so those are two major quarterback injuries, in my opinion, to uh, take a look here. Uh, now let's talk about some of the full game previews. LSU, Florida State. Talked about this with Smitty. Of course, it's a marquee matchup. Bad job by me not mentioning the potential weather in Orlando where this game is going to be played. Um, obviously, tropical storms, bad weather coming through. Uh, this total dropped. I mentioned that I may be interested in the total. Um, it dropped from like that 58 and a half number around. You could find as low as 55 and a half right now. I would lean towards the over. Haven't played it yet. Not going to give out a play if it's 55. It's 54 and a half. I definitely play 55 strong consideration. Um, it doesn't look like weather is going to be involved in Orlando. If you look at the weather reports, I just, I still think Florida state, uh, this defense can be ran on Uh team was out to the top 100 and rush defense. I like the LSU offensive line taking a step forward in year two under the system. A lot of continuity back. This is a team um, top 10 in offensive returning production. And I like the running back room with Noah Kane, Williams, and uh, Diggs, the Notre Dame transfer. I just think that LSU can set up the passing game with Jaden Daniels, who I don't necessarily love, but I think it could open up some holes for him, and he won't be running for his life like he was last year. Looking at the other side, though, I still think Florida State is going to be able to take shots downfield with the likes of Walker and Keon Coleman. And I think this LSU defense, that the weak point uh, – Outside the top 100 explosive pass defense, the defensive line got pushed around in rush defense, and they were all susceptible on the backside. So I'm a little concerned that 
Brian Kelly went into the portal to try and fix this. Um, but I think that it's going to be too soon for this. So I think FSU take the top off the LSU defense. Well, I think LSU could push forward through the run game to set up the pass game. Uh, this game was 7-3 at halftime last year. Again, that was Brian Kelly's first game with the Tigers. It was Jaden Daniels' first game under center. 7-3 at half. Finished 24-23. Of course, LSU uh, extra point gets blocked. But I think the second half is a little bit more what we're going to see than the first half, which was uh, really low scoring. I think this game, I still lean towards it going over. Haven't played it yet. Not a play just yet, but we're going to keep monitoring that one. Two plays that have come into range um, that I'm going to play and that I thought about more. NC State-UConn, NC State now a 14-point favorite on the road against uh, Jim Moore and the Fighting Huskies. I just I, I don't really see it with this one. Uh, UConn, feel-good story. They made a bowl, absolutely deserve praise. And I get that they're top 10 in returning production, but what are we talking about, man? What, what are we seeing here? UConn last year did their damage against – like-minded teams, group of five independent likes, teams trying to maybe fight for bowl eligibility or fight for three, four wins. Against power five teams, they got absolutely destroyed. Uh, they lost at home to Syracuse 48-14. We're going to talk about their offense coordinator, Robert Anai, in a second. They went to the big house and got absolutely depleted by Michigan, 59 nothing. And then they played at NC State uh, and got absolutely whopped 41-10 to against NC State. Some more numbers from that game. NC State outgained them 492-160. to UConn only had eight first downs in the game. It was 17-0 after the first quarter. The game was never competitive. So three power five teams, they combined to score 24 points across three games and led up over 150, if I do the math correctly. Uh, 148 points. I think I did the math right there in my head. I mean, this team got absolutely smoked when playing elite foes. So I, I'm just struggling to see why we're expecting such a jump here um, from UConn. I know that NC State is bottom half of the country and returning production on the defensive side of the ball, but Tony Gibson's 3-3-5 has been elite by ACC standards. And it's not like they're playing uh, anybody good. It's not like they're playing 2019 LSU or anybody. They're playing UConn. Uh, who's starting um, a main transfer at quarterback. I think the athletic discrepancy in this one is really going to show out. And then talking about the NC State offense, which I expect to take a leap this year with Robert and I, who constructed an offense that put up 48 against them and Brennan Armstrong coming in um, high expectations here. I talked about in the ACC preview with Kelly Ford. I think that NC State names their number. I think they dump truck UConn yet again, and they keep it rolling into that Notre Dame game. So um, I'm pumped it came inside 14 for the show. I'm hoping it stays overnight. So when people listen to it, they could bet it. But I, I think NC State for sure in this one. And I know uh, Fagnano, uh, he has some experience with Charlton, who's now the offensive coordinator at UConn. He was the head coach at Maine, where he transfers from. And you look back and he had, he's played, the quarterbacks played four games uh, four years of experience since uh, Charlton left for UConn. I'll only count the prior 2021, 2020, 2019. Played two FBS teams, beat UMass, who we know has been one of the worst teams in FBS in recent memory. And then they did win in a shootout against Liberty back in 2019, though. Uh, 
put up 45 points on that one. So I understand that this connection, maybe UConn gets the passing game going a little bit, but again, it's not this spot. It's not this spot for UConn against an ACC team that is a win total of seven is expected to compete at a high level. I think uh, NC state rolls in this one. So give me the Wolfpack minus 14. Next one. We spoke about this game as well in the early week episode with Smitty. He mentioned the full game over. I was talking about Washington team total over. I did some more work on this one and I'm going to play it. I'm going to play the Huskies team total over 37 and a half. This is at FanDuel minus 102. I think that this Boise State defense is in pretty dire straits, in my opinion. They do get back one of the cornerbacks that they lost in the opener the year before, but this is still, you know, for all of last season, which was an elite Boise State defense that graded out top 10 um, across the board in terms of success rate and EPA per play. This is a team that needs to replace four of those five contributors in the secondary. Um, Again, number five in success rate overall, number seven in EPA per play. And a lot of that was because of their work against the pass. Number five, number two in success rate, sorry, number two in EPA per play. That's at Boise State secondary. Meanwhile, though, when they played a power five opponent like Oregon State in week one last year, they allowed 34 points on the road. I also think given the lack of proven talent in the secondary, I think Boise State's going to get gashed here. Michael Penix, uh, number one, number two, uh, number one amongst power five quarterbacks in total passing yards. This Washington team led the country in yards per pass attempt. They were top 30 in pace. They were top 10 in uh, pass rate. They bring back 2,000 yards receiver, 2,000 yard receivers, you know, Donze and McMillan. I think this team is going to put pressure on the Boise State secondary the entire game. So I think Washington, with their pace and with their pass rate, I think if you're concerned about the play clock and the game clock running now with these new rules, that's not really going to play as much of a role with Washington because they're looking to take the top off this Boise State defense. And if, you know, instead of a three-yard run and 40 seconds coming off the play clock, this clock is going to be stopped a lot on incompletions. Not that I don't expect there to be many because Michael Penix is a savant, but Washington's going to be able to put up points. And I mentioned when talking with Smitty, I'm a little concerned to laying the points with Washington because of their defense being so poor. That's why I'm going to go with the team total over. I think that if Washington can't get in a cover, it's because Boise State's keeping up and Penix needs to stay in the game. It's not like Washington is blowing them out and, you know, they could take their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. I think Washington's going to need to play in this one. Maybe it's full game over. I just trust Washington's offense to get into the high 30s and 40s. Maybe it is a blowout and maybe I'm underrating this Washington defense, but I, I think Huskies' offense is a proven commodity in this game and they're going to get to 38. So I'll take that, especially in minus one or two. I'll take that over 37 and a half should be good weather um, in Seattle. All right. So that's going to be it for the bets for this week. So only four were given out, go back and listen to the early week show. Um, the San Jose state over has went, that's now through a key number of 55 the ULM plus 10 is still available. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, so you still bet that. And then NC state minus 14 and Washington team total over 37 and a half. Again, I think moving forward, we will have plenty of more action. It's more just that these bets and line, these lines have been out there for so long now that it's just, it's not as easy to get this out, but given, you know, 
recording for Tuesday and Thursday will be easier during the season and with the quick turnaround. All right. So now though, we'll see how this goes. I'm not going to track this or anything. It's more just for fun. College football is full of uncertainty, variance, especially in week one, where we don't really, we, we have a projection of these teams. We think we know about these teams, but we might also be underrating and overrating some of the projections here. So I think you could bank on some of this variance. If you want to have some fun, I put together a round robin of four teams. You can play them twos, threes, and fours. Wouldn't recommend putting a ton on this. It's just for fun. Um, but here are four underdogs that I see as live in their particular matchups. I'll explain why. And then I have one like real long shot, long shot dart. And um, I played the spread earlier this summer and that number's moved. And I, I think <laughs> I think it can get kind of crazy, but I'll explain that in a little bit. So let's go four underdogs I see as live. Let's start with Hawaii versus Stanford. Uh, you could find Hawaii at plus 150 at home on the island. I think that this number has been beat to shit. Um, Hawaii, you know, this was a team that was a 10-point underdog about a month and a half ago. Uh, they're now playing Friday night on the island. Yeah, you can find a plus 150 out there. Um, eh, plus 145 more widely available at like DraftKings and FanDuel. So plus 145 on Hawaii. Um, Last week against Vanderbilt, we saw a Hawaii offense that was beginning to seem like the vision we expected from the run and shoot with Timmy Chang, put up 28 points against Vanderbilt, took the top off the defense. And it's just funny when you look back to last year, early in the season, Hawaii was getting absolutely smoked, um, you know, lost 63 to 10 against Vanderbilt. Um, they lost to Western Kentucky. Uh, what was that score? They lost to Western Kentucky. 49 to 17. They lost to Michigan 56 to 10. Even in late in September, they lost to New Mexico State 45 to 26. And then they finally turned around at the end of the season. That sounds a lot like what Stanford's going to be this year. Complete scheme change going to a run first offense under new head coach Troy Taylor. Not his guys yet. No proven commodity at quarterback. A lot of guys starting to figure it out. And I'm not saying Hawaii is going to win 63 to 10 like Vanderbilt did to them the year prior, but I think. Hawaii might close this one looking like a hindsight favorite. I know I feel like it's a kiss of death, you know, spread going from 10 to three and a half. It's not like the most plus EV bet, but I think Hawaii is the better team right now. And I think you look at, it's a good comparison having Hawaii a year later in their like start from zero rebuild and you have Stanford just beginning it and look at what the difference a year can make. So I think Hawaii comes in as the more competent team and they win this one outright. So Hawaii is my first underdog. I think wins outright. Next up, let's talk ULM Army. Spoke about it in, in the early week show. I just think the change in scheme, like we just spoke about with Stanford, change in scheme for, scheme for Army is going to be so prevalent. I just don't know why we are judging this team taking a step forward in their first game in a new scheme in 90-plus degree temperatures in Louisiana. I just I don't see it. So, again, to quote uh, Jeff Munkin, Said this to the media last week, quote, the offense is a work in progress. We've never run it together in a game. Monk instead of coordinator Drew Thatcher's new design. So we're going to find out a lot next week. It's really hard to get those answers when we practice, when we're in practice or when we practice against the defense or the scouts. Again, Louisiana Monroe is probably one of the worst 10 teams in the country, but you're giving me, what do we got here? Plus 350? Plus 310 at DraftKings on a team that, 
has a veteran quarterback in Gia Wright. You hope that Terry Bowden has a scheme in place, given that, you know, he's been there um, in the past. This is an army team. We really don't know what to do. So you want to bank on some variance. You want to bank on some uncertainty. I think it's worth taking a stab at ULM on the road. I just, I don't see where this upgrade is coming from army. We saw Navy last week. Granted, that was a new coach and stuff, but they thought they tried tempo. That didn't work. They went away from it. They got confused. They were uncertain. They didn't have the pieces in place to really try any downfield passes. We were just going to assume Army does. Um, yeah. Give me the Warhawks uh, plus 310. Next up, South Alabama Tulane. Spoke about this one with Smitty as well. So we're going back to that. Again, workshopping those bets, uh, really helpful. I already bet. South Alabama on the spread, but I, I think they're live in this one. I think that these two teams are closer than the spread indicates. You look back at last season, to me, South Alabama, maybe the most complete team in the Sun Belt, probably the best conference in the group of five ranks. And you know what, screwed. I'll include that with the AAC last year. That Tulane won. Um, what if South Alabama won that coin flip against Troy at home and went to the Sun Belt title game and smoked Coastal like Troy did? What if Tulane didn't beat USC in the Cotton Bowl? in that crazy come from behind game where they need to like sack Kayla Williams in the end zone and get that last drive with Michael Pratt, like scrambling and scooting all over the field. Um, this is a Tulane team that is going to go through some growing pains this year. They lose Ty J Spears, 1500 yard rusher, 19 touchdowns. They lost three of their top four tacklers. And while they get the Troy defensive coordinator, Shield Wood, um, he came in post spring. These are not his guys. So I don't know if they're going to hit the ground running. Maybe the scheme is built to compete with the South Alabama team, but I just think, these two are far closer than like a near touchdown spread indicates. Um, you could get South Alabama at plus 200 right now. I, I think the Jaguars are live here. I think Tulane deserves a bit of a market correction after such a dream season last year, but that was last year. This is this year. South Alabama's top 10 in returning production. Carter Bradley's back. Webb is back at running back. The defense returns several key players. Um, I just think South Alabama's live in this one. And what I'm really hoping for is South Alabama wins this one outright. And then we get Tulane at home against Ole Miss uh, in week two at a nice juicy number. So I think South Alabama's live. And last up, last but not least, let's go to Sunday afternoon and take Northwestern against Rutgers uh, in the Big Ten Toilet Bowl. Um, I know no one really wants Northwestern right now after they fire Pat Fitzgerald. You could get this one at plus 200 uh, at DraftKings right now. I know no one wants to take Northwestern, but in what world does Rutgers deserve to be laying six and a half, laying seven against a team, especially a Big Ten team? Let's just look at the numbers from last year. Northwestern, yeah, they were 127th in EPA per play. It wasn't pretty. Guess who was only 126th? Rutgers. Guess who's better on defense on EPA per play basis? It was Northwestern. They were 64th in the country. Rutgers was 69th in the country. So I'm just not sure why we feel the need to bump Rutgers two points after opening four and a half to six and a half. Now that all this hazing scandal with Pat Fitzgerald happened, because that was, you know, what a month ago, six weeks ago, David Braun's been there and maybe I'm just reading too much into the coach speak, but he says the team is galvanized. The team is just preparing for Rutgers. They are motivated. They are ready to go. So I'm going to take a shot on Northwestern here. Total at 39 also, it's probably going to come down to, you know, one interception, one botched special teams play, one mistake uh, from 
you know, the quarterback. And while as of this recording, Northwestern has not announced their quarterback, I am really hoping it's Ben Bryant because I think if that's the case, you are going to see a significant quarterback difference in this game. Again, I don't trust Rutgers laying points. I don't trust Rutgers as a big favorite, but let's just talk about the two quarterbacks here. I know that Northwestern needs to replace a first round pick on the offensive line. I know that Northwestern's team was terrible, but let's just talk about, talk about the two quarterbacks here. Gavin Wimsat last year at Rutgers got plenty of playing time, 166 dropbacks last year. He completed only 44% of his passes. He had a five to seven touchdown interception ratio and pro football focus grades, big time throws and turnover worthy plays. And then obviously that's a percentage big time throws. He had a 2% big time throw percentage. He had a 4.6 turnover worthy play percentage. So more than double the amount of turnover worthy plays than big time throws. Let's go over to Ben Bryan, who veteran played at Cincy, played at Eastern Michigan, played at Cincy again. Um, last year got hurt at the end of the year, but been around the block last year at Cincy, 386 dropbacks. He completed 61% of his passes for over 2,700 yards. He had a 21 to seven touchdown and interception ratio. He had a 6.3% big time throw percentage versus a 2.8 turnover worthy play percentage near more than the inverse of what Gavin Wimsat was doing at Rutgers. So you know what? I think Northwestern has a better quarterback play. Both teams stink on offense anyway. So give me the more reliable quarterback to not make that mistake that will cost them. And I think David Braun, the defensive coordinator, got promoted into his first job. I think he's going to rally the troops in this one and get the Wildcats going. So give me the kitties plus 200 underdog money line. So those are my four underdog bets. You want to throw that together again. It's just, you know, maybe it's not like the most plus EV thing, but I think week one, you can maybe bank on some of the uncertainty. Don't play for very big. Um, bonus conversation and talk, especially because, um, didn't talk about as many games, didn't give out as many bets. Um, I'm going to play this on the money line. I'm not saying, again, I'm not tracking any of this. This is merely just me talking. And you, if you like what you, you hear, ride with. Uh, you could get this currently at plus 950 at Caesars, plus 850 at DraftKings. But uh, this number has been coming down throughout the summer. Sam Houston State is making their F. BS debut against BYU in Provo. They're now a 19 and a half point underdog. Um, I think things could get nuts in this game. Sam Houston state is top 10 in returning production. And last year, the team opted knowing they were making the jump to the FBS ranks to redshirt a handful of contributors from the team that went 11 and one the year prior and made the FCS playoffs. I know there's a jump there, but this was a team that scored 40 plus in nine of 12 games last season. They have a transfer quarterback in Grant Canal who isn't very good. He's been around the block, but he's got a big arm. The Sam Houston, the Sam Houston state offense likes to play fast. Uh, and this BYU team are we sure this team deserves the credit of being a 20-point favorite, given all that's changing? They get Keaton Slovis, who I think the book is out on this guy, that he's not very good. He's on his third team in three years, going from USC, and then posting a negative EPA per play at Pitt last season. 
And they lose their top two receivers in Parker Nakua and Gunnar Romney. The team is changing defensive schemes to another FCS import in Jay Hill from Weber State. Team's going to play much more aggressive. Um, they were gashed last year, 121st in success rate, 113th in EPA per play. I know that they had a lot of injuries and the jump in scheduling, you know, playing more power five level competition throughout the season took its toll. Uh, the offense really fell off as well. Jaron Hall got hurt. Romney was in and out of the lineup. Nakua was out, whatever. But we're we're just expecting BYU to live up to this rating that they've been in the past with Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. And Heat on Slovis isn't like that. And they're changing schemes on defense. And they're 84th in returning production on offense. So I'm just not sure that we're so certain that BYU is significantly better than Sam Houston, a team that brings back a lot of veterans that are used to success and can maybe play above their pay grade and used to it. So I don't know. 20, 19 and a half, you know, it's obviously not as value. You know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that right now, but I think long, long shot, you want to sprinkle some, you know, late Saturday night money on an underdog. I've seen crazier than Sam Houston state. You know, maybe it's like first half money line. Even I just think, you can't really get an accurate projection on BYU right now. So play into that certainty, lean into that uncertainty. That's kind of one of the um, things I'll take forward with me going into this weekend is maybe, you know, count on some randomness happening or count on some variance because we don't really know exactly how some of these teams are going to be. I don't think we have an accurate assessment of what BYU is given all the moving pieces and we don't have as much of a, rating on Sam Houston state because they're making that jump from the FCS ranks. But again, top 10 in returning production. And they were damn good two years ago when they played most of those guys. So there you go. Let's recap. NC state minus 14 Washington team total over 37 and a half. And if you're feeling like you want to have some fun week one, little round Robin of underdogs, Hawaii, South Alabama, Northwestern and Louisiana Monroe. And if you really want to, you know, potentially, get into a conversation with your offshore bookie. If you put it in the round Robin and it actually hits uh, Sam Houston state plus 900. Um, but yeah, really appreciate all the feedback I've gotten on the show. Uh, the week one week zero review and week one preview with Smitty was, you know, as I'm recording, this was my highest, you know, pod listened to in one day. So really appreciate all you guys tuning in for that. Um, really, you know, we're going to be doing this all year. So pumped about it. Um, if you want, follow me on Twitter at Reed Wallach. I live tweet my subconscious throughout the day and you know, tweet about how dumb some of the coaches are. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. You can track all the plays on the Google Sheet, which is in this podcast description. Um, they all go in there right when the show gets posted. And then everything in real time that might not make the show, but I'm betting as I go. Um, you can find that on my bet stamp at RW33. We will be back on Tuesday night with our week one recap and week two show. Best of luck, everybody. Talk to you then.